Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Good morning, church. It is so, so good to be with you today. Hello to all of those who are joining us online. I'm so glad that you are here as well. Shout out to my mom and dad, unashamedly. Um, I do have the privilege of continuing this series up, and we are going to be looking at Psalm 122. So if you want to head to that in your Bibles, you absolutely can, but I'll get going for us. I'm reading from the ESV today. Quite intentionally, I thought it was just a really beautiful way that the psalm was described. So if you have a slightly different version, I promise it's all true. It goes like this. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as decreed to Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they who love you be secure. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. One of the things that I love the most about the Psalms is that it really gives us an insight into the mind and life of King David. From an Old Testament perspective, David is one of my top six heroes. He sits right up there with the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and my girl crushes, Ruth and Esther. He is a lover of God, he's a lover of people, he was brave, he was kind, he was strategic, he was handsome, Bible says so, so it's all right for me to say so too. But most importantly, he made huge mistakes, like like massive, epic errors. And this is important because it reminds us that God can use anybody to further his kingdom. And he chooses to, not because David was perfect, but he chose to use David because of his love for God and because of his genuine repentance in times of severe guilt. And thank goodness that sets a bar that we can all reach. So when we read the Psalms then, especially the ones that are written by him, like this one, we learn more about him. We see him in times of great strength and great weakness. We see him in times of prosperity and in times of need and loss. We see him glorifying God and we see him calling out with his anger and his frustration and and even sometimes his resentment. It's all there laid out for you to see. The Psalms also give us an insight into the life and mind of Israel as a people. As John said last week when he introduced this series, the Songs of Ascent, which are the section of the Psalms that we're looking at, were basically the equivalent of a road trip playlist that everybody knew the lyrics to. And so this one that I get to focus on in particular is about arrival. We've got there. And it's about what happens when they get there. 
Now, they might be going for a festival, they might be going for feasts, there's various reasons that they would be gathering together. But we're going to explore in this passage what it is that it looks like to be living a life of peace, a life of unity, and a life where we get to gather together to worship God. So let's dig in. I've divided the psalm, in, in my expert opinion, um, into two sections. One which I believe the first part is quite an internal, introspective section. It's, it's David's feelings as they go to gather together. And then the next part is a much more practical element to the psalm that we'll talk about in a minute. But what happens here is that David says, I am glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So from the very beginning, we already know how he feels, which is great. The question is, why is he glad? What is it about this particular thing that it means that he is gonna tell everybody how he's feeling? You know, unlike some other religions, worship is not forced upon us in the Christian faith. Worship is a choice. We come into this space because we want to. So when David says he was glad, is he glad because he's excited that people are finally gonna worship God again, so that's good, let's go do that? Is he glad because he likes the idea of good music and good friends and just wants to hang out? Is he glad because he genuinely just loves to worship God and any opportunity, he's that guy that's like, I'm here, I'm Eddie, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> I think it's a combination of all of those. But as we see that, I think it, it begs the question for us, what is our posture as we come into this space to worship God? Entering into the house of the Lord looks quite different for us than it did for the Israelites, and even more so in the last 18 months. So right now, it could look like waking up, rolling out of bed, putting YouTube on the TV just in time for the last two minutes of our five-minute countdown. It could mean you've now added an extra hour to your preparation in the morning to make sure that you, your spouse, and your kids are at church on time. You are amazing heroes and we love you. You could be here for the first time, in which case you are so, so welcome. Or you could be here for the hundredth time and you are welcome too. We love it when you come back. You could be here out of habit. You could be here out of intention. But whatever the reason that you're here, it is important to know why. Because when you know why you worship, that is when you worship well. And when you know why you worship, it impacts the how you do it, the posture and the attitude that you come in. So this passage actually gives us two reasons why why David is glad to worship, but why we should worship in general. Because it is a choice, and if we're not forced to be here, there has to be some sort of reason behind it. So the first reason, which I think if we look in verses three and four, we can see quite well, is that we worship because it brings us together. Verse four says that, Jerusalem, is where the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. The tribes. We now know that this is about different people from different life experiences, doing things different ways, coming together for a common purpose in a common space. And it's not about pretending that the differences don't exist. 
It's not about uprooting them or suppressing them or anything like that. It's about saying that regardless of where you come from, when you come here, we're all here for the same reason. And so we all have a common place, a common space, and a common attitude. And when we have that kind of unity, it is an absolute game changer for the world around us and for our relationship with God. In verse three, where it says Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together, that architectural language is about every piece that's used to build the city being used with intention and purpose. In the New Testament, we talk about being the body of Christ, how every member of the church has got a purpose. Everybody has got a role to play. This is like the Old Testament kind of metaphor of that. We are the church. We create the house of God, and so every brick has a purpose. And when you come here and you bring yourself, you add. And other people benefit, and God is glorified. So we worship because it brings us together. Everybody matters in this space. The other reason that we worship, which might be a fairly obvious one, but I think is also incredibly challenging, is that we worship because it connects us to God. Eugene Peterson says that while worship is a choice, it's not something we're forced into, it's something that we should want to do, it's not something that we do only when we feel like it. I found that quite uncomfortable when I started to study this because I like to feel good about doing the things that I do. But the reality is if we only worship God when we felt like it, we probably wouldn't worship God very often. And there are lots of reasons that we give ourselves to justify our feelings, and some of, the, some of them even sound quite legitimate. You could be like, well, I actually, I just feel really ashamed, really filled with guilt, and I just need to sort that out before I go before God. So it's not because I don't want to, it's just I'm not in the right place. Or maybe you're thinking, well, I actually haven't spent that much time with God recently and I don't wanna be disingenuous or inauthentic in my worship, so best to wait until I'm better placed with him to go and be with him. Or maybe you have some genuine practical restrictions. You have family that you're responsible for, job stuff that you're responsible for, and you can't give your whole self. So rather than being distracted from the online preach, I'll just wait until I have time to myself, free time to spend time with God. So while we're not forced into worship, the reality is that where we put our treasures, where our heart lies, is where things will grow. The New Testament says that we can't serve two masters. Where we put our time, our effort, our dedication, our practice, is where things will prosper. And if it is not our relationship with God, then it is not our relationship with God that will grow. Our worship cannot be by way of osmosis. It has to be a choice that we make, regardless of how we feel. When I was young, I, I, uh, my brother and I, Alex is my older brother, um, we took piano lessons. And Alex is what they call a natural. Um, I'm a different kind of natural. Uh, <laughs> but he could play by ear, which wasn't annoying. 
at all. Um, and uh, I do have this really distinct memory of when we were kids and we were watching TV with grown-ups. And I remember that because we were watching like an orchestra thing and I wouldn't have chosen to do that. Um, and they started to play Flight of the Bumblebees, which is that very complicated piece of music that sounds like bees are buzzing in your ear, except on purpose and by choice for a really long time. And um, the grown-ups in the room were like, oh, Alex, can you play that? And he said, don't know, I haven't tried which is not the same as no, by the way. So he then went over to the piano that was in the room and like clinked a few keys and then started playing Flight of the Bumblebees. And then turned around and went, turns out I can play that. Anyway, so we both took piano lessons um, and I did not do that as well. But what I did learn was chopsticks. Yes, you see? Now, I believe that chopsticks is the most annoying thing that piano teachers could ever teach children. And I think it's some sort of backwards punishment on parents. You bring me your annoying child, I teach them an annoying song, and now we have balance in the world. Apologies to my piano teachers if you ever catch this. It's just the reality of my view at the time. Anyway, I perfected this song. And I would sit in the lounge in our house with door closed for hours and I would have these imaginary games where people would be like, oh, Sarah, please share your talents. Or teachers would be like, there's no way that you could ever accomplish anything musically. And then I'd be like, well, <laughs> and then I'd play chopsticks like 20 times until my brother or my mother would open the door, remind me that it was not soundproof and beg me to stop. Um, Alex is still very good at music. In fact, he can pick up most instruments and after a few minutes play them at least at a basic level. And I wish with my whole self that I could just be like, it's just because of his natural gift. But the reality is he practiced for hours and hours and he honed his skill and he worked hard and he sacrificed. And my teacher, <laughs> my teacher always knew that I did the scales an hour before and then went to the lesson and was like, I don't know, I just couldn't get it. Um, I didn't really pursue music much after that. Uh, and I don't think that I could have been a particularly good musician and I am genuinely okay with that. I do have other interests now. But I don't know for sure because I never really tried. And I think the reality of other areas in my life, mostly more significant than whether or not I can play the piano, where I have not been successful, has been more down to the fact that I chose not to give my whole self than it is because I tried my best and I failed. And I wonder if that is how we treat our relationship with God sometimes. Is it better for us to never really give him our whole selves because then we can never really be disappointed than it is to give our whole selves, to worship him, to be vulnerable with him, and to not really feel like we measure up to what we think that experience should be. And I just wanna tell you today that that is a lie. That your relationship with God is not about the perfect experience, the perfect moment of worship. It's about coming back to him again and again and again in every situation, in every season of your life. It's what David did, it's what the Psalms are all about. And I wanna encourage you that that is what worship does. It creates a space for you to openly connect with God. So the final part of this passage then, if we have chosen to worship, is about choosing peace. It's about creating a culture in this space of peace and unity. And that doesn't happen automatically either. 
The word peace in Hebrew is shalom, which is the same syllables that are used at the end of the word Jerusalem. It was supposed to be a place of peace. So then this psalm says we have to choose the good of those around us, choose peace, pray for peace and security in Jerusalem. It takes action and intention to create that space. It takes great humility to choose a place of peace. We have to choose peace over being right. We have to choose peace over being offended or defensive. And I'm not talking about choosing peace over injustice because this verse actually tackles that. There's a little line right in the middle that says, there'll be thrones of judgment from the house of David. And that is God's judgment and mercy ready to tackle the injustice. So this is about our personal way of being and choosing to create a space that is safe for people to come in and to worship God. I strongly love and dislike the fact that the Bible is so specific about how to handle human relationships. Because if it was vague, we could just be like, well, I just went with my gut. You know, said that thing, didn't realize it was gonna have a negative impact. But instead, it literally says, like, watch your tongue, turn the other cheek. Go to your brother and sister in love. All these really profound, frustrating choices we have to make. And uh, a few years ago, we, we were having a, a YA Wednesday here at the church. And we'd had somebody who'd come in, and she was quite new, but she got really stuck in. And I was so impressed by her willingness to serve. And this particular Wednesday night, she was helping sign new people in, and I sort of made sure she was all good, and then went and did some other things, and then came back, and she was sitting and having a conversation with somebody, and I thought, this is the prime opportunity for a witty remark, because that's our culture, right? We are sarcastic, and we banter, and that's how we show love. And so I went over to her, and I said something along the lines of, well, don't you have a job to do? And I... I genuinely meant it as a joke because she was doing this incredible job, but I could see immediately from her facial expression that I had said the wrong thing. And we talked about it and, and she explained to me that I apologized immediately. I was absolutely mortified. Um, and she explained to me that she, you know, she didn't really get sarcasm very well and she was still trying to work out her place here. And I was devastated because in that one line where I attempted to be funny, I had stolen the piece. And we are good friends and we get on very well and she's lovely and she was very gracious in that moment. But it was a big lesson for me because I realized how profound it is to feel safe in this place. And we wanna create a space that is safe and peaceful for people because when we do that, the lost and the brokenhearted and the angry can come in here, see the love of God being worked out through his people get to know him, build relationship, and have eternity in heaven. And it's not just in the big decisions where we have to make a decision. It's not just about saying from Steve and Angie, you know, this is the culture. It's about us taking that vision and working it out in our everyday lives. So this verse, this passage is about arrival. It's about coming together to choose to worship God in a place that we have chosen to be peaceful. And it is a challenging call, but an important one. Because when you choose to worship God, when you choose to have peace, you not only build your own relationship, but you build opportunities for people to grow in their relationships with God as well. You reach and shape 
a generation with the message and cause of Christ. I'm so excited to see what else these Psalms are gonna be teaching us. I believe that we are all on this journey in our 21st century post-pandemic world where we are coming together to build the house of God. And it will look different now because of the seasons that we're in. But we who know the truth have the responsibility to carry it even when we don't feel like it, even when we feel like we're far away from God. We do something every week here at C3 where we give people an opportunity to get into relationship with Jesus. And it is such a privilege to be able to be a part of that today. So whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the room with us, if you haven't made a commitment to have Jesus in your heart, or if you feel like you've walked away from God and now is the time that you want to really recommit and reconnect yourself to Him, we're gonna say a prayer together and I'm gonna ask everybody at home and in the room to say it with us. And when we've said this prayer, if it's the first time that you've said it, we'd love you to raise your hand or to say yes in the comments because we wanna be able to celebrate that with you. So I'm gonna ask if you would close your eyes and bow your head if you're here in this room and say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I am sorry for the sins that I have done. I thank you that you wanna lead my life. Help me to see you. Help me to know you. In your name I pray, amen. If we just keep our eyes closed for a minute, if you have made that decision for the first time today and you wanna take this moment to let us know, please put your hand up or uh, make sure you say yes in the comments. And if you are in the room, we have a gift for you at the connect point afterwards that we would love you to go and get so we can celebrate with you. Well, Father God, I thank You so much that we can be here in this space together. I thank You, God, that we can worship, that we have this time to do that now. I pray, Lord, as we go into this song, that we will really feel You with us. But Lord, I thank You that it is not our feelings that will bring us into this space, it is our choice. Let us stand together and worship in this song. This is a new song. The band are really excited about it. It's a praise song. I, I'm gonna ask you, I know we can't sing, we're so close but I want you to worship like you have never worshiped before in this moment, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.